0: Hello and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark. Today, I'm joined by guest Alain Chotard. Did I say that right?
1: Yeah, you say that right.
0: <laughs> Thank goodness, okay, great. Before we get started, could you give folks an idea about who you are and what you do?
1: Yes, sure, so my name is Alan, and um, I'm a Google developer expert in web technologies, more specifically, Angular and Google Maps, which basically means that I do a lot of work around Angular, speaking at conferences, uh, writing content, blogging, um, being active in the open source community and such. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really what Google recognizes me for, but as a consultant, I do mostly training and something I would call coaching really, helping dev teams get familiar with front-end development. And, and yeah getting up to speed basically
0: cool great um so let's dive into the way that you package and monetize this skill set which I would uh, l- before we do that actually I have a quick question so I um, folks who are familiar with the show would perhaps think of you as a a horizontal specialization but it could also be a platform specialization if it's really specifically angular and your buyers, know what Angular is. Is that generally the case that your buyers know what Angular is?
1: So, yeah, we could say it's some sort of a platform specialization in a sense that my buyers typically would find me because they know Angular. They know they want to go with that technology. Mm -hmm. And as a result, that's how they learn about me. Either they see me at a conference or they find my blog or LinkedIn or a combination of all of the above. And, and that's basically how they would get into working with me. Great. That said, I would also say that I don't do just Angular. It's really the positioning, right? The angle at which people find me. And very often we end up working on a lot of other things. We, we would get deeper into JavaScript or basically things that don't in, in, evolve, uh, involve Angular at all, but mm-hmm. uh, other ap- aspects of web development.
0: Got it. But Angular is the front door, basically.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Great. Perfect. All right. Cool. So uh, let's let's get into it. What sorts of products or training or productized services do you offer? So like if you're familiar with the terminology, like what does your product ladder look like? And we can kind of dive in from there.
1: Yeah. So from a product standpoint, the um, the thing is, I have two different kinds of buyers, right? I have the individual developer who wants to showcase their skills, learn more, you know, on their own, develop their career and get to the next job or the next opportunity or get promoted or, or just evolve internally. Mm-hmm. So that would be like a B2C uh, kind of approach. Mm-hmm. And I also have businesses where let's say the CTO or the CEO or the director of development. They know that they want to build something with Angular and they have 10, 15 developers, and they want to make sure that all of them are on the same page, have the same knowledge of the framework. And uh, and yeah, they would reach out to me to get all of their team up to speed. So these are the two different approaches, both B2B and B2C. Mm-hmm. And this is important because of course the, the pricing and the products are gonna be different for these two different uh even if the content really is going to be very similar for both the way we do it and the pricing is going to be different in terms of product ladder.
0: Mm, yes, so, completely.
1: So the, the the product ladder for the, the developer, the consumer would be online video courses. And uh, something I launched during COVID is a certification exam mm. uh, where people pass a test really, they take a test, quiz and coding test and everything. And at the end, they receive a certification. Um, So these are my main products oriented toward the consumer, the the individual developer. Mm -hmm. And and they are the least expensive in my my product ladder. Basically, they are the entry points. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, we have the business products. So this would be a three-day training for 10 plus developers or a five-day training for you know ex-developers in a a company which could be done online on zoom or uh in person i would travel to their office and we would do that together Um, and so all of these different offerings in terms of how many days how what what are the topics we cover how many people participate and everything these are all productized meaning that based on the contents and the number of people i just create a price out of that Mm -hmm. and and that's what's going to go into my proposal
0: okay is it so the so the prices for the b2b uh training whether it's on-site remote however many days however many developers that is not posted on your website and it's something that you what do you they call you or they contact you and you work it out or does it change every time or do you know kind of behind the scenes do you have a formula that you use and you just need to talk to them to like fill in the the arguments
1: um so it's a little bit of all of that (laughs) in a sense that it's not on the website it's something that i do have my formula to create the pricing Mm -hmm. and they do have to reach out to me we talk on on the phone and we discuss the training requirements meaning you know what's the background of the audience where they are now where they want to be after the training just to decide what's the proper duration and and what are the contents for it mm-hmm. and from that i give them a proposal with two or three options usually which would be the main recommendations in terms of of training um uh, but yeah using you know the strategy of having different price points so they can go with something l- l- less expensive but then if they pay just a little bit more they get a lot more bang for their buck and 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 so forth
0: mm-hmm. okay for the how i'm curious for both audiences how do people find you um so you, you mentioned speaking and so forth but like what specifically the B2B, because I think the B2C is relatively straightforward. It's like someone knows they want to get better at Angular for career development reasons or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. But for the, the B2B, how do, because your buyer is not the people that you're training. How does the buyer know that they should be looking around for someone like you?
1: So B2B, they know about the need because they might start a new project or they have some old code written like 20 years ago and they know they have to make it, you know, modern web development friendly. They know they have to migrate to something new. Mm-hmm. And if they ask their developers, the developers might decide, we think Angular is gonna be the best option, but we're not sure and we don't know it that well, or maybe there are just a couple of them that know Angular and the rest of the team doesn't or would be very new to it. Mm. So they know that they have to go in in a direction because their code is too old. Nobody wants to support it anymore. The technologies are going away uh, or, you know, it's basically they have a pain point, which is maintaining that old application or a bunch of applications. And they know Mm. that they have to move to something more modern, more robust, Mm. uh, more 2023. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, and, and yeah, it's a combination of they know they have to do this because every, re, re, remaining in the current situation would be too painful, or it's just impossible. And and the team says, okay, we think we can do it, but we're not sure we have the right skill set yet. Got it. And and, and when they are into that scenario, they're going to start looking for someone like me.
0: Got it. Do they do the buyers sometimes reach out for a sort of initial consulting engagement, paid or not, to? decide if Angular is the right choice or have they already made that decision by the time they're talking to you?
1: Usually they have made that decision before they talk to me. Um, It does happen that they're not 100% sure. So when we do our first call, I would just, you know, discuss with them and see what would be the best option. Because the thing is, as I mentioned, Angular is my main positioning, but I can also teach React, which is, basically the, the main competitor, mm-hmm. I, I can do both. So if they go if they want to go one way or another, no problem, that that works for me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's, that's great. And that's just such a great example of, you know, your main website, it says here is angulartraining.com. Right, you couldn't be more mm-hmm. clear about that at the highest level. And then, you know, once the person comes in the door, so to speak, once they enter the pub, then you can say like, well, we, you know, we have other things besides Guinness. I know it says Guinness on the sidewalk, but obviously we have other things as well. And so if, if Guinness isn't really what you want, you know, we can get you a Stella Artois if you'd prefer. So great example of kind of having a, a super clear platform specialization, but that not limiting you to just that one skill set that you possess. So I love that. Okay. So what, I'm just curious, besides for B2B, besides training, you know, end devs for Y days, do you offer other, you know, I don't know, coding or oversight or, you know, like, like advisory retainers, anything like that?
1: Yes. And, and, and that's something that evolved out of the training in the sense that, You know, when I started doing that kind of work, I was just a generalist web developer. And it just happened that all of the projects I would be working on, I would decide to do them with Angular, which means after two or three years, I was really super fast and efficient with Angular. So I started talking about it and and building my authority business around that And, and, and basically became known for being the Angular guy on on uh, in the sacramento area and then you know expanding uh, speaking at conferences nationally and internationally but it all came from writing that code speaking about it and then it got me into doing training because the more you do public speaking the more people say oh you know we like the way you teach would you do a training session for us basically mm-hmm. and that's right. how i got to create the training products and really start moving away from writing code but instead focusing on teaching people how to do it Hmm. and and there are still that um the thing is sometimes people take a training for two or three days and then a month later they start doing the actual work on their own right and they realize that they don't know everything (laughs) (laughs) or they forgot things or they have they still have lots of questions so usually they would come back to me and say, hey, can you, can you help us out? And, and that's where I do things differently from many people in the industry, mm-hmm. because many people in the industry, at that point, they would say, okay, you can hire us for six months, one year, and we're gonna do the coding with you or for you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they would send hours of, months and months of billable hours to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. My approach is different. That's where I have a retainer agreement where we would say, okay, I'm gonna help you out for the next months, for instance. Uh, we're gonna have one touch base per week where you ask me your most pressing questions. What are the problems you are dealing with? And, and during that call, either I give you the answer right away because I had it, or I'm gonna work on it and come back to you as soon as possible with a possible approach on how to solve that. Mm. And. And that's my main consulting retainer. So it's uh you know, touching base with the customer every week, and and then it could be just that one hour phone call and we solved everything and they're good to go till the next one. Mm-hmm. Um or they want a small proof of concept, something I can work on, or or or, or anything. But the good thing is I'm not building any of this by the hour, right? It's it's really a product, there's a, a fixed price for it, the scope is clearly determined. And, um, and yeah, I, I have the, the whole pitch about it, which is, you know, you're not going to pay me for six months. The goal is to get you there a lot faster. Usually a month or two of just doing this is going to be plenty enough. Mm-hmm. And then you'll be able to build your, your own app on your own. You'll have the confidence that you know what to do. You'll, you'll have the, the skill set to, to, to do so. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, that's my retainer consulting slash coaching approach. I would say right. it's more like coaching, mentoring uh, the, the dev team after we've done the training together. Yeah. Right.
0: Do, uh, if you said this, I'm sorry, and I missed it, but do does the dev team have direct access to you in like Slack or something, or is it just the weekly touch base?
1: So there's the weekly touch base, which is the main way we interact. Initially, when I launched it like this, I would get objections in a sense, People, well, management would say, that's, that's not enough. <laughs> so I thought, okay, what I'm gonna do then is you can ask me questions by email at any time. Mm-hmm. So anytime during the week, you can send me an email with your questions. And in my marketing, this is pitched as unlimited in email support. Mm-hmm. So they can send me as many emails as they want, mm-hmm. which seems risky because you would think People would write ten emails per day,
0: yeah, (laughs) but this never
1: happens. (laughs) In the sense that writing an email to ask a question about a specific coding problem takes time. Right, you have to explain it, you have to provide a code example, and usually they would think it's just easier to wait for the phone call to do it live and (laughs) share screen and everything. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, the the unlimited email thing is is a great hack. (laughs) Yeah. Um, because it, it does convince them, okay, it's a safe thing to do. It's going to help us out no matter what. We don't have to wait. Uh, but in the end, they don't use it that much.
0: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's a great incentive. It's like if it's really urgent and it's it's um, worth doing, you just you just sort of created the incentives in a way that it's like, eh, it's just easier to wait till Friday. I'll just wait till Friday. I don't want to type out exactly. this Exactly, yeah. <laughs> very good, very good. I like that a lot. That's uh, I haven't heard that one. I really like it. Um, cool. So are these priced the same for every engagement? Is there any variability in the pricing? And if so, what is it based on?
1: Yeah. So there is variability in this, um, I use a three, yeah, same, same as everything. I always give three options. So there's a base consulting, which would be the one hour phone call per week. Plus the unlimited, uh, email support. That's the base one, the least expensive option. And then I have another one that is the same thing, but I also add eight, a maximum of eight hours per week fully dedicated to the dev team. And that could be something we use for additional training or code reviews, or just me looking at the code, maybe doing a proof of concepts on some of the features. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's basically an additional pool of hours that I can dedicate to them. It's not something that I like too much in a sense that it, it does look like hourly billing in a way, mm-hmm. but what I find is that, you know, managers, CEOs, CTOs, they like to see that I have that eight hours at least for them, right? Indeed. It, 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 they feel safer that way. They rarely use it. Mm-hmm. I can say that, you know, they're probably going to use two or three hours maximum at the beginning and then, and then they, they forget about it or, or they're not, there's not much to do, but they see that as, a, as an extra safety net really. And, mm-hmm. and, and they like that option just because they feel like they're going to have more access to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And it's bundled in with a bunch of other things. So it would make it really difficult to divide your monthly by eight and say like, oh, mm-hmm. this is the hourly, there's no way to reverse engineer it. Uh, and I, I also like your framing of, of it making them feel safe, right? You said a similar thing you said about the office hour. It's like, ah, that's not going to be enough. So, okay, well, I mean, uh, uh, rather the, the unlimited email support, it's like, ah, the office hour might not be enough. It's like, okay, well, we've got unlimited email support and, and this sort of eight-hour pool. So it, it's, a, it's a nice little bundle. It totally makes sense. And it's disconnected from, from your time. So, you know, basically because like you said they might not use it so let's back up for a second and talk about the before and after so you said what what year was it would you say you started the transition away from coding for money
1: um it's something that happened slowly but i would say 2016 17 something like this
0: no not that long ago well, I'm old, so it doesn't seem that. <laughs> so, okay. So around then, you what was what was your life like in 2016? So, or I should say, business. Like, so what was your business experience like uh, in terms of of relationship with clients, um, amount of work that you were doing, client work you were doing, your roughly speaking income. Not that you, you don't need to na- name numbers, mm-hmm. but just like, what was it like back then?
1: Yeah. So it was probably typical of a solo coder trying to work, you know, contract after contract after contract and trying to get as many hours as possible because that's, that's how you'd get paid. So you, you would be, you would have to make, to work a lot of hours to get paid for what you would expect in terms of of revenue and and everything, Mm -hmm. which basically means you have the feast of famines, you know, (laughs) cycle where either you have too much on your plane or, 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 or on your plate, or you don't have enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and and it it was working, but it's not something that I enjoyed because you, you either feel like you have, you know, to work like crazy or, or all of a sudden you have nothing to do and you have to find new clients. Mm-hmm. So it was not uh, the most fun thing to do. Getting into training was something more enjoyable. It was not a product per se, in a sense that it's still kind of based on an hourly rate. But the good thing about it was the predictability aspect in the sense that people don't book training you know, for tomorrow or next week. They would usually book something for next month, two months from now, three months from now. And so I could start filling my calendar with training engagements for next month, the, the months after that. Up to sometimes six seven months in advance hmm. which gives you that visibility on you know how much income you're going to make over time and and you know that you're never get going to get into a scenario where you have nothing at all that's some base income that's going to happen at least you know once twice a month mm-hmm. uh, basically for the next six seven eight months and you know that you're always getting new ones and you just book them in the future so that was a first step away from hourly billing in the sense that I had a lot more predictability um a good thing too is that the the return over investment from 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 my perspective is a lot better meaning I could do I could do a 3-day training or two per month and that would be enough income for the entire month right mm-hmm. So I know that if I have to, if I've booked, let's say one or two next months, then I don't need to do anything else in a sense. (laughs) So that was a really good step that started me thinking about how can I create more products now that I have that, you know, I don't have to be coding 100% of the time to make money. Mm -hmm. So I can start thinking about how I could package my consulting, how I could create products around this and basically move away from hourly billing.
0: Mm How, it's out of curiosity, uh, not to jump around too much, but back to the sort of ongoing monthly mentoring, coaching type of thing, the retainer, how many of those could you reasonably handle at the same time, do you think?
1: Probably four or five, mm-hmm. easily. Okay. Yeah. Um, all
0: right. I was just curious about that. I, I should have asked that earlier. So, oh, okay. So jumping back forward, um, it sounds like before you were, you were the money was okay but it was feast famine, very unpredictable. And you were either slammed or dead in mm-hmm. terms of, in terms of work. And, you know, fast forward till now you're booked in advance, sometimes six months out, even more, it's much more predictable. If you've got visibility in your pipeline and it's way more profitable in terms of, you know, you could work, you know, three to six days a month doing trainings and, and be like, okay, I'm, I'm cool.
1: Exactly. But the, the income still varies a lot from month to month, but the thing is, I don't care because my baseline is there no matter what. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Right.
0: I, I like to, the metaphor I like to use there is a a plane gaining and losing altitude. If you're at 30,000 feet, you can lose 10,000 feet up or down. And it doesn't matter. But if you're at yeah. 5,000 feet and you lose 10,000 feet, you're in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the baseline, right? So, all right. So I'd love to jump back to the B2C there's this burning question in my mind about the certification mm-hmm. so this is i have i don't think i've ever talked to anybody about about this sort of thing uh, you know i've talked to reuven Lerner a couple times in the past he's got a banging training business in the python space and other things but like you he leads with python but he does other things as well mm-hmm. but i've never heard of this certification exam model so let me just be stupid and ask stupid questions so starting starting off does google not have a certification exam, or does Angular, like whatever the Angular
1: governing body, do they not have a certification exam? And the short answer is they don't. <laughs> really, and and that's why I saw an opportunity there because when you look at Google certifications, they do them for all of the products that make them money. Hmm. So that could be Google Cloud, AdSense, AdWords. Uh, all of the AI APIs and stuff. So everything that you have to pay for, or, or, you know, yeah, basically stuff that you have to pay for, they have certification for that. Mm-hmm. But Angular being open source and free, they, they don't have any interest in creating a certification for it because there's no, there's no ROI out of it for, for Google, really. Wow. And so the way I came, when I do training, basically, there are companies that are very much into having their developers certified, meaning they want their developers to do some training and get a certificate out of it. So they can say, you know, I I know this, I know that, and I have all of these certificates to prove it. (laughs) And because I was teaching a lot of classes in different companies with the bigger ones, typically they would say, can I can I have a certificate? Can we have a certification out of this? Right. And my initial approach was, well, I can give you a certificate, but it doesn't seem right in a sense that after a three-day class, you know the basics, but you don't really have any experience. Right. So so I don't see the value in that certificate, right? To me it's not it's not enough. <laughs> right. But still, the idea was interesting. And, and I saw that there was a gap in the market because, you know, when people ask you for something because it doesn't exist and, and, and they keep asking you if this exists and you're thinking, okay, maybe I could do something about it. Maybe I could fill that gap, especially because I have that title of Google Developer Expert, I thought that I I have the legitimacy to to do something like this, right? I'm as close as possible from an official Google certification in a sense. Um, And then COVID happened. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And when COVID happened, well, training stopped for at least a few months because People thought, okay, we're just going to wait out, work for home, from home for two, three months, and then everything's going to be back to normal, Right. Uh, which was not the case. But in the early days, that's what we thought would happen. Right. And so for three months, I had like no training, no consulting, nothing. <laughs> uh, so instead of getting into panic mode, what I saw was, you know, people losing their jobs, because of COVID, in in the very first phases, people will get fired or you know let let go, uh, and everything. And I thought, okay, I have nothing to do now. I don't have any training. People are losing their job. They're looking for opportunities. Maybe that's when I start that certification process, right. where I do a meaningful certification program. People can get pass the exam, get a certificate that's, that actually means something that's not easy to get, you have to go through a bunch of steps, and uh, and, and it's going to help them find another opportunity. That was the the idea. And so that's what I did in 2020. I launched my first certification based on all that story.
0: <laughs> cool. I, it's, I mean, it makes perfect sense. You recognize the opportunity, you had time to do it, you took it seriously, you had the as much credibility as anyone as a GDE so it's it's like opportunity lands in your lap and then you took advantage of it which is great so is there are there any licensing issues with you using the name angular I don't know what the like what it's open source but that doesn't mean that like what 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 about that is that something you looked into or did anybody ever be like hey you can't be promoting this
1: yeah, the, the, the logo and the name and everything are open. You can use them and, and everything. Um, I'm not saying this is the official Angular certification, right? When people ask me, is, it, is this official? I'm basically saying what I told you earlier, which is Google doesn't do any official Angular certification. I'm recognized by Google as an expert in Angular. I'm running this thing. So you get a certification from angular training, which is really the closest you can get to an official Google certification, but it's not the official thing because there's none. <laughs> yeah. There
0: is no official one, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> and if there was an
0: official one, Google probably gets someone like you to do it, right? <laughs>
1: that, that Yeah, that, that would probably make sense. But the thing is, I don't believe that they would get into that in a sense that the market is perfect for a soloist. Mm-hmm. That's plenty enough to keep me busy and um, and provide a meaningful income to me. Mm. But for a bigger company, it would be just so little to them in terms of numbers that it doesn't make sense they, they would they would use at least four or five people to run this thing and they would lose money. <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah,
0: the math doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. All right. So, so can you give us, yeah, I don't want to put you in the spot. So just feel free to say no, but I'm curious, at least for your published prices, like, can you give people a sense of, um, where these things slot in price-wise just relative to each other? So like, you know, you've got online video courses, which presumably people have to, to, well, not have to, but might want to buy to prepare themselves for your certification exam, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then you've got the certification exam itself. There's probably retakes if people fail yes. mm-hmm. and then, you know, like if you think of your, your stuff across both audiences going from sort of like smallest purchase up to biggest purchase, what order does that go in?
1: So you, you mean in terms of ranges of pricing?
0: Yeah, it's, I know it's, I know it's kind of a hard question to answer because there's also the consideration of like profitability, like some of them are self-service probably. And some Mm -hmm. of them are, you know, so those are almost like free money almost. Mm -hmm. And then there's other things that require, you know, like if you're going to fly to San Mateo for a week, that's not free money. That's work. So I, I know it's, I know it's like the profits probably different for all of them, but from a, from a scale standpoint, like where, like, if you start, what's the bottom rung of the ladder and then working your way up the ladder, what's the, the helicopter option? Like the most expensive thing someone could buy from you in one shot. Yep.
1: Yeah. That's, that that makes sense. I I see how to answer the question now. (laughs) So, um, the certification, usually I had just one and it was, you know, certifying a person as an angular developer, but it didn't mean that the person was an expert or a beginner. It was just in the middle, someone with a few months of experience. That was my first product. The cost for that product was 60 bucks, I think, when I launched. Wow. Um, And
0: surprisingly low in my mind.
1: Well, in in the US and, uh, and Europe, it does seem low, but If you look at Asia and South America, that would be super expensive. (laughs) Uh, The good thing is that pricing works very well on all continents. And I have lots of clients in all countries of the world because there's no it's not it's not unreachable for most countries. There are still countries that are too poor to get into that, Mm -hmm. but still I, I can sell a lot in Asia, South America, Africa, which was not the case before. Mm. I was way too expensive for for those countries. So, uh, and the thing is 80% of it is in my pocket, right? Mm. Uh, The only cost, well, it could be 100%. The only cost is that one of the steps of the certification, the last one is an actual interview with an expert, with someone who really knows the topic and just to ch- check that the person didn't cheat or that they didn't you know outsource the test to somebody else that, that sort of thing <laughs> right, right. So, so that last interview
0: outsource the test that's a very d- yeah. diplomatic way of putting it <laughs> uh,
1: so that last step i have people help, helping me out all around the world to cover all of the time zones and different languages as well So I have people in Italy who speak Italian to cover Italian speaking people in Europe. I have German speakers. I have uh, French, English, Spanish, just to cover all of these languages where I know I have interest and I know I have, you know, a lot of people in these countries or who speak those languages that are interested. Mm -hmm. So that part I have to pay, you know, the contractors who do the interviews and of course, um, that's my only cost, I would say, with the certification. I built all of the software infrastructure behind it, which is my fun of you know maintaining my own systems and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was an initial investment, but I just love it. You you know that's building software that you don't build by the hour, but you know it's gonna make you money like forever. Mm. That's that's great. <laughs> it's heaven. It's heaven. It's
0: like my favorite thing. Yeah, so much fun not coding for money or coding for your own money exactly yeah
1: meaning if i feel a pain with my own system i fix it and then next week i have like 10 less emails to deal with i'm like oh that was good (laughs) oh yeah
0: it's it's deliriously wonderful yeah okay cool so uh, so wow now i have more questions so like how long how long would you say so calendar time and hours. You both measured both by calendar and by hours. How long would you say it took you to set up the certification program?
1: Oh it's it's hard to tell because it's really been a step by step thing.
0: Just just to launch, to initially launch it.
1: Oh the initial launch, so my approach to product launches, because I've tried them for a very long time and never really got to the point where, you know, a product is a product, either it works and then you're happy, or you just sell nothing and you're really disappointed. Mm. So I failed many times before. So for that launch, I thought I'm just going to be as minimalistic as possible. It's just, the it's going to be the bare bones minimum products that people can use. So initially I had created 50 questions for the test. I had just the coding part in place and I would be doing all of the interviews and I I would see if people buy it, then I'm going to scale this, add more questions, find people to help do the interviews for me and everything. So I started with the basic proof of concept, which probably took, I don't know, 10 hours maximum, I would say, to really prepare everything for for lunch, um, which was an acceptable risk to me. I mean, wasting 10 hours is not too crazy (laughs) it's not three months of full-time work basically
0: right 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 fabulous i'm glad to hear that it was that little bit like i'm a huge fan of the mvp to see if there's any demand at all (laughs) and then just out of curiosity when you did prove the model how did you find the interviewers and like what did you do to vet them like what was that level of effort
1: so finding the interviewers was easy in the sense that the main argument to make the certification you know believable and uh, and and people trust the process is that it's made by a GDE like me. Mm-hmm. So I would I would reach out to other GDEs around the world. So GDEs in Italy, GDEs in Germany, GDEs all over the place to help me with interviews. So that we have the same credentials. I know that they're recognized by Google as well. So I know they have the skills. I know they have the communication skills as well because mm. gd is all about is a lot about public speaking so i was confident they, they, they would be able to do interviews and such
0: wow i did not know that interesting okay keep going that's great
1: um, so yeah finding them was not too difficult well what was difficult is many of them are already too busy <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah in some cases it was it was tricky to 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 get to get them but But the thing is, it all happened uh, in increments in the sense that I didn't sell 1000 certifications overnight, right? Mm -hmm. It just, it was a few here and there, and then it would increase slowly. And then I would have someone in Italy saying, oh, can we do the interview in Italian? And I would be hunting for an Italian interviewer Mm -hmm. and and it would snowball like this, but you know, at a pace that was manageable really. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's difficult to say how much time it took because It's really something I started in 2020. Now we're in 2023. I'm still developing it to some extent. I'm still improving the process. I'm still, you know, tweaking things here and there, thinking about new possible products around it to improve the ladder uh, and and get people into the exam. Mm -hmm. So yeah, on average, I would say it it takes half an hour to one hour per day to run the entire thing. Mm. So that's maintainable, sustainable, easy to do.
0: (laughs) Very nice. Yeah. And, and, and perhaps, I mean, this is not maybe, or maybe isn't on your mind, but you've created something that is absolutely sellable as a business. Like someone could just come and buy this and you'd be like, no problem. Here you go. Right. It's not dependent on you.
1: Yeah. That's, that's something I do have in mind. Um, but I want to scale it a little bit more mm-hmm. <laughs> before thinking about this. Right. Uh, but yeah, the platform is there, the the user base is there. And the, um, I would say the referral process is there too. Uh, the marketing really to, to keep the sales coming is 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 working pretty well. Hmm. So yeah, all of these elements make me think if I could sell something out of that business, that would be the part, right? It, it's really the, the most uh, sale ready at this point. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Right. So okay, this uh, one more thing on the certification thing. So how the interviewers, like you said, they're they're probably all busy consultants, what is the motivation if is there any motivation other than financial for them to be doing these interviews?
1: Um the financial part is important, I would say. The fact that many of them are outside of North America and they get paid in US dollars, mm-hmm. that's, that's a big plus, meaning what they get out of the interviews is probably more than what they would get otherwise with you know regular consulting in, in Europe or Asia or, or South America. So that's, mm-hmm. that's a plus for me, it's easy to convince them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the, right. the other interesting thing is if some of them are just starting as consultants or freelancers, They would be in the place where, you know, they're bidding those hours and, and, and they are the feasts or famine cycle kind of thing. Whereas with the certifications, I I give them, uh, you know, some recurring income on a weekly monthly basis that is not going to take over their 40 hours per week, but they know that they can get something like, you know, Mm. from day after day, they can rely on that. It's very flexible in terms of hours as well, so they can make it fit whenever they want. Mm -hmm. Um, I make it, if they want to do one per week, they do one per week. If they say I can do 10, I'll try to give them 10. So yeah, I make it as flexible as possible so that it makes sense for them to give it a shot. Nice. And uh, yeah. That's really cool. It's really cool. Yeah,
0: because you smooth out their feast famine cycle. It's kind of like use the reality of the situation. In a way that i i just love i love i mean financial incentives are pretty important you know (laughs) i mean in life but especially in business so finding ways to create those incentives that is profitable for everyone involved is like a magic trick and you you've you've pulled off the magic trick it sounds like especially if you can give somebody 10 interviews in a week so cool. This has been absolutely amazing. I'm sure people are going to love this. So where where could people go to either get in contact with you, maybe say, hey, I'm a I'm a GDE in the Philippines and I'd love to get some of this. <laughs> uh, how would people reach out to you? Where can they find out more about what you're doing?
1: Um, so the easiest, I guess, would be LinkedIn. That's where I'm the most active. Um, they can go to my website, angulartraining.com. There's a little chat feature down there where that people use to reach out to me that works too. Um, my email is probably listed on that website as well. So all of the, all of the above work, basically, if you find a way, if you use any of these ways to reach out to me, I'm, I'm going to be answering. So yeah.
0: Great. Wow. Well, thanks so much for joining me.
1: Well, no problem. Thanks a lot. It was uh, a pleasure discussing all these things.
0: All right, folks, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark, and I hope you join me again next time for Ditching Hourly. Bye. Hey, Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time, or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space, or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call, you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com slash call. C-A-L-L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com call. Hope to see you there.